0: This is the ASU Pick 6 Podcast with Doug Haller and Jeff Metcalf. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast on your favorite platform and download the ASU Extra app on the Apple App Store and Google Play for in-depth coverage
1: all season long.
0: All right, welcome to the ASU Pick 6 Podcast. I am your host, Doug Haller, along with Jeff Metcalf. Jeff, it is August 1st. We are now two days from the start of football practice. Um, I'm ready. Are, Are you ready?
1: I uh, actually I am, to be honest with you, because I just think after thing, the way things went in the spring and all the sort of intriguing aspects of watching Herm Edwards and his new staff and having them talk about the new players that are coming in and what an impact they're going to make, um, well, let's see it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And this time, instead of, you know, spring leading to, okay, we'll see at the end of the summer, it's going to actually lead to something on September 1st. Yeah, so. it- that's the best part of it.
0: Yeah, it will be interesting. Um, we have, we're we're going to kind of go give you an offensive and defensive preview on this podcast, as we promised we would. Um, I was at Pat 12 Media Day last week. Was that last week? I think it was. So we'll update you a little bit on that, a little bit of Sun Devil Stadium uh, news and update there. Uh, and then if we have time, um, I wrote a story on, on Todd Graham. I talked to Todd recently about what he's looking at and to, what he's doing now, what he's looking to do. So we'll get into that as well. But first of all, Jeff, um, I, I think most people going into this have the fewest concerns about the offense. Would Would you agree with that? Oh,
1: oh yeah. Yeah, like we talked about last time, I mean, you can see um, reliable uh, – p- there, are, there are pieces of an offense that you pretty reliably know what they're going to do. Correct. Um, whether even in the offensive line, for sure, at the skill positions um, – Maybe not at tight end, but – and running back, running back too, you know. Um, I mean, we think we know what Eno Benjamin is, but we don't know about the other running backs really. there to say, yeah, there's some, some level of comfort with what they're coming in with offensively.
0: Yeah, and, and you know what? That comfort level to me was what was, – which is why I was kind of surprised that ASU was picked to finish sixth in the South – I mean, how often do you have a team that has a three-year starting quarterback and an All-American receiver should be a better offensive line? I mean, they weren't great last year, so, but it should be better. I would think, my opinion, yeah. that that would be at least enough to get you past Colorado.
1: Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm a little bit uh, – I, I can't say too much because I – last time we talked about don't miss the deadline – Guess who missed the deadline? Jeff, come on. <laughs> so I missed the deadline for the media vote. I own up to that. Um,
0: I, I sent it in like at the last possible second. Yeah, <laughs> I
1: actually sat down to do it on Friday. And, fa- and oops, it was due on Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> now, I'm not saying my vote would have changed the tide, but I would I would have voted ASU ahead of Colorado. But I don't think that would have made, you you know, would have switched them in the order. But uh, I don't think I would have put ASU. I'm not sure if I would have put ASU ahead of UCLA, though and I don't think I would have put them ahead of the other ones either. So. Yeah.
0: yeah, I put them fourth, um, USC, Utah, Arizona, ASU, UCLA, Colorado. But, Jeff, I walked around Pac-12 Media Day, and I asked, you know, Joe Klatt, the, the Fox analyst, um, I talked to Rick Neuheisel, all, all the, the analysts that attend Pac-12 Media Day, and I asked them, like, who's the dark horse? What you, no one knows. I mean, I mean, really, most years everyone kind of says, like, yeah, it's definitely US, USC or UCLA, and my dark horse is uh, Utah or whatever. You know, I asked Joel Clad. I said, "Who who who might be a dark horse in the South?" He mentioned three teams. I <laughs> mean, just boom, 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 and I'm like, "Well, you can't pick half the half the division." Um, so, I really don't think anyone really knows for sure what to make of this division,
1: right? And don't you think too that just the the just the boldness of what I don't know if the boldness is the right word, but just the the out of the box move that ASU made. A lot of people still haven't digested that. I think that that was one thing that struck me about. What I was reading and hearing about Media Day, um, whereas we've got a better handle on it here. Of after course, seeing, of course we do. <laughs> <laughs> seeing what well, we think we do after seeing it, <laughs> seeing it all spring. I, uh, some of these, you know, like the mob that was around Edwards is like, wow, wow. It's kind of like watching. You know, somebody in the zoo or something. I don't know. It was it was kind of crazy, just just the way that reaction was, and I'm sure that you kind of felt that way yourself while you were there.
0: It, it caught me off guard. I mean, it, as you guys know, we talked about it on previous podcasts. We did that four part series on Herm. <clears throat> so, you know, I, the last thing I want to do is go there and write another story on Herm. I feel like that's all I've been writing about for uh, <laughs> you know the last two months. And but yet he was he was a major story of Media Day. Um, you know, Chip Kelly attracted the biggest crowd for obvious reasons. A, it's Chip Kelly. B, the event is in Southern California in the L.A. area. But after that, it was Herm Edwards. And it was just, I mean, everyone was walking up to me and going like, uh, wow. (laughs) You know, I mean, they were surprised that, you know, I was surprised that Herm is still you know, attracting that much interest, you know, all this time later. Yeah. But, I mean, people. I don't know if it's because people want to see or they're attracted to a, a, a train wreck they want to see, or like you said, it's kind of like the zoo thing.
1: Well, it's a little bit between, I think in between, it's like a train wreck, but then it's a guy with a magnetic personality yeah. And, yeah. And, and that TV charm, and they know that's coming. Yeah. And so... You don't want to miss it. You know, we've already said that. You know, we got to be there. We've got to he- see what he says. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's true. That is a good point. I mean, Jeff and I have talked that, you know, sometimes after practice, you know, uh, when like Todd Graham would speak, sometimes we try to be there every time and almost every time we were. But sometimes if he needed somebody or a player, these, these interviews are going on simultaneously. Sometimes we would both break away because we needed an interview for a story that we were working on for that day. We I don't think we can afford to do that anymore. I don't you, think so either. When and Herm talks, we, you have to be there. Yeah,
1: and we found that out in the spring on a couple of <laughs> <on> a couple <laughs> yeah. of occasions. But um, but it was, it was really interesting because I think didn't he start out sort of like okay which camera am I supposed to look he at did, you know he did. so like right away it's like I'm doing my TV thing right. getting my bearings yeah. figured out and you know all that kind of thing it was it, it was pretty compelling for a media day. <laughs> it was pretty compelling. It
0: was, and I watched him a little bit. I mean, there are two separate rooms uh, where the interviews go on, and one is you know, where they go up where you guys see on the Pac-12 network, or not the Pac-12 network, but um, online or the the video stage uh, where the print media, the online media is located, and then another room is where the Pac-12 network is set up and where all the radio interviews are um, going on, and I kind of followed him around that for a little bit. I mean, he, he does he is kind of treated like, I don't want to say a rock star. That's a little, that's a little much, but he definitely, people are, um, are there's just something different that he, like I would watch, like Ryan Leaf was there interviewing people. There's just something different after they interview him that, you know, there's a little bit more warmth, a little bit more enthusiasm mm-hmm. uh, regarding the people who interview Herm than they are, you know, you know interviewing Clay Helton or, you know, Mike McIntyre and, um he, he is he is he is a, a football celebrity yeah. uh so I think and, that and you
1: wonder how to me each person that he goes out to recruit I think about this a lot what what is the reaction when he walks into a recruit's house you know and you think that about the head, head coaches all the time but with this guy in particular it's just I mean do, does he walk out and people just go oh my gosh I that guy, he just bowled me over. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's
0: interesting because you know I think ASU is is banking on that. But I, re, you know, I think I reported, I know I tweeted it, and I got a lot of brushback for it. Uh, you know, right after they hired him, I asked some of ASU's players, "Where do you know Herm from?" And you know, kids these days they don't watch ESPN that much. Mm-hmm. They're not on. They're watching Netflix, uh, different things. But parents definitely rely yeah. on. It. I mean, yeah. I think kids probably uh, relate to or relate to him now, um, identify with them. But you know, like I said, I wasn't planning on writing about him. I talked to Rick Neuheisel, and he goes, you know, I think Herm's one of the top three major storylines in yeah, college football. Yeah, that was football, really interesting, yeah. Uh, which blew my mind, uh, but that thanks, just gives Thanks, you... Rick. That was a great comment. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for giving that, me yeah, stuff. Yeah, <laughs> that made my story, and also I, at that point, I'm like, okay, I'm writing about Herm today, but uh, that, ju- that just shows you how this is being looked at nationally. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, of course, Rick Neuheisel has its own little... Selfish interest there because he said it's like the old di- – they're bringing back the old dinosaur, the, <laughs> the old coaches like himself who had yeah. been forgotten, uh, and now they're giving them a chance. So, but anyway, we got off track there. We were talking about the offense. Um, and, uh, you know, I don't have – I've said before, my two concerns are – one, I mean, do you realize – by the way, do you realize – we'll start with, with quarterback, and, and I'll get to my concern at quarterback in a second. I don't have any concerns with Manny Wilkins. Do you realize this is the first season – that he goes into where he is the clear-cut starter. There, there, I mean, this is his third year starting overall, but he's yeah. never gone into a camp where it's it's him. It's yeah, always because been a you had the Barnett
1: thing last year. Barnett, you know, and, yeah. And, you know, there was a lot of – well, I remember even talking to you about this. You know, there was a lot of people that were writing those preseason magazines that just assumed Blake Barnett was going to be the starting quarterback. Yeah, Everyone did. And I, I actually never had that feeling that spring. I never had that feeling that he – he was actually beating him out you know he was fine and he was learning the system and and all that but it just it's like I don't I am not sure you know that he's going to do this and it as it turned out he didn't he didn't
0: (laughs) yeah uh just to foreshadow a little bit um I talked to Manny about this recently well actually it wasn't recently it's about six weeks ago and the story hasn't come out yet but it's going to come out soon I just completed it and we went into great detail on Blake Barnett's arrival, and uh, I think you'll find some of uh, how that went down uh, very interesting. But anyway, Manny is the guy. There's no doubt about that. He, he is the starter. There's not going to be any push from Dylan Sterling Cole. Uh, there might be, but it, it, it's just going to help make them feel a little bit better about their backup situation. But they're just pretty much one and two. Ryan Kelly, the redshirt freshman, mm-hmm. uh, is still battling – uh, I believe it's a shoulder injury, and I don't even think he's going to be ready to go by the time practice starts. So, <laughs> you know, the, those are the only three scholarship quarterbacks that they have for this season. If if somebody gets hurt, you are going to be looking in a very, very difficult situation. Yeah. So that that is my first concern. My second concern, I don't know if you share it with me, but it's the running back situation. Mm. Uh, I am a big believer in Eno Benjamin's talent. I even like Traylon Smith. But, you know, I just think those two guys last year, Kalen Balazs and Demario Richard – I mean, they were experienced, they knew how to uh, recover after a game on, on Saturday to get their bodies ready. Uh, I, I just think there's going to be a little, a little bit of a learning curve for those young running oh, yeah. backs.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I don't think we know enough. Well, I'm not sure we know enough about Dino, but we don't know enough about Traylon Smith. That is correct. And then all of the other guys are basically new. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, it,
0: I, I did talk to Rob Likens, the offensive coordinator, last week. Right now, he said, I mean, he said he believes in the talent of this group. He, he does agree that, uh, that inexperience is a, a, is a bit of a concern. He, Eno, I think, will be the top rushing option to start. Traylon has an edge in experience, but. Uh, they want to see more from him, and then the two the newcomer that they really think they might get a chance uh, that they want to see what he, they can do is Isaiah Floyd. He's mm-hmm. like five seven five eight, junior college transfer. They want to get him the ball in space to so see what he can do. And then, of course, they have the three freshmen to see what they can do there. So there might be some moving parts there throughout camp. Mm-hmm. Uh, offensive line. I know you've done some work on the offensive line. Yeah, should be better. Well, I think.
1: Well, yeah, I, I think. I I did talk to Dave Christensen about the two transfers, and I'm writing a story about the two transfers, which is going to run in a couple days here. And um, I I think they feel pretty solid about Casey Tucker. I get kind of mixed feelings about Roy Hemsley, um, who's the transfer from USC. Tucker's the transfer from Stanford. But I think they're hopeful that those two can be their starters on the left side. And if they are and they can handle that, they're big guys, they're smart guys. I was impressed talking to both of them. Um, now you've, you've got some guys that played last year that can play from the center over on the right side, and you've got a little more depth. And, you know, you've got a a, a guy like, say, Zach Robertson that, you know, has got a lot of potential, but <laughs> we haven't really seen him, you know, fully realize that for various reasons, injuries and other reasons. Um, so if those two transfers work out, I think, and, and they're not, you know, badly hit by injuries, you know, I think they will be better and they could could be respectable. Well, yeah, I, I, mean, I don't know if I can go much further than that <laughs> at this point. But
0: yeah, I, I know they feel great about Cole Cabral at center. Right, at center. Um, they felt like, you know, they were expecting maybe some, uh, you know, hiccups over the spring, some poor snapping, but he, he really picked it up. So they feel good with, with him. I agree with Jeff, um, unless something totally unforeseen happens, even though he hasn't taken a snap yet on the ASU practice field, Casey Tucker will be the left tackle. Mm-hmm. I I think, I mean, it's hard to say, but I think they're going to give, as you said, I think they'll give Hemsley a look at left guard. And then then you have the three, you know, as you mentioned, there, there are three guys who have Pac-12 starting experience, Quinn Bailey, Stephen Miller, and Zach Robertson to fight for the other positions. Right. So, you know, maybe. I don't know what their depth will look like, but maybe their front five might be a little stronger than last year.
1: Right, and um, Christensen also made the point to me that a couple of those other guys, Lasoya, um and one other guy I'm not thinking of right now, got quite a bit of experience in the spring because they didn't have the transfers and
0: Tyson Rising probably was yeah, out yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, Rising, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So and so,
1: I think he feels a little bit better depth-wise because of what those guys got in the spring too.
0: Yeah. So we'll see. I mean, they have a long way to go. I mean, they did rank uh, among the worst teams that giving given up sacks last year in the country, and, you know, the running game, as you guys know, was kind of all over the place. Um, so we'll see. Receiver, I mean, if you don't feel good about receiver with Nikhil Harry and Kyle Williams, uh, I don't know what to tell you. I, I, I just think, you know, that's probably – that could be the top duo in the Pac-12. Mm-hmm. I mean, Nikhil is – an All-American candidate, and Kyle Williams is probably, as we've mentioned, one of the more underappreciated players in the Pac-12, maybe nationally, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I The the key, the, the question will be who's that third guy, the Z position, and, and Rob Likens did say he was a little bit disappointed that no one really stepped up and took that role. And, and keep in mind, they had some movement there. John Humphrey mm-hmm. suffered Got the Achilles injury. Injured, right? Yeah. He's out, Jalen Harvey is going to defense, and I, I even asked about that, was there any second thoughts about mm-hmm. that? And he said, nope, right now he's sticking on defense. Yeah. He, had,
1: he did look good on defense in the spring, I will say, for you know, a guy shifting over. We've seen that not work in the past. But
0: Yeah, Jalen's just a football player. I, yeah. think, I think you could put him anywhere, and he'd do great. Uh, so, so that'll be the position to watch. Terrell Chapman, a junior, uh, came out of Louisiana a few years ago with a lot of hype. He's, he's going to be uh, get a look there. Frank Darby, you guys know him. And then the two newcomers that might get a chance there is Brandon Ayuk, it's. Yeah. I, think that's, is that how it's uh, yeah. I think that's how you say it, right? Yeah. yeah. Junior college transfer. And We've heard quite a bit about him. Jordan yeah. Porter, the freshman who has great speed, I think they're going to give him a look there too. You know, they they have good depth there. I mean, I mean that that's guys that are fighting. Then you're not even talking about a guy like Curtis Hodges, who's mm-hmm. probably will play in red zone situations. Ryan Jenkins. Yeah. Ryan, Ryan Newsom. I was just
1: going to say Ryan Jenkins and Ryan Newsom too. Really? Yeah. Yeah. So,
0: so, they, so they got some guys there. Um, other than that, the thing that I'm really looking forward to watching is Rob Likens. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, right. I mean, he's, uh, you know, he, he got he got a big raise uh, mm-hmm. to take over. They doubled his salary from $350,000 to $700,000. That's more than what Billy Napier and, and Chip Lindsey made. And, you know, he's been an offensive coordinator, but this is by far his, his biggest moment, his biggest job. I mean, I don't know. Did you
1: draw anything off the fact that they – that they did raise him raise his salary that much did you Johnny did, was that did you take that as a sign of not only do we like you but we really want you to stay we want some continuity there or did you not go that far with well it?
0: I mean he's one of it puts him he's not the highest paid in the Pac-12 but it puts him you know in the top definitely the top three I only found one other guy um the guy from Oregon uh Marcus Arroyo is making more money just slightly more but yeah, you know, and again, USC's T Martin and Stanford's offensive coordinator that's a private university, right, so we don't have, you know, have access to, report, to those. Yeah. But uh I, I was a little surprised it was that high given that Billy Napier only made five hundred fifty thousand yeah. dollars last year. But you know, they there might have been some people after Rob Likens, so they had to go mm-hmm. high or oh, and also, you know, they were kinda stuck. They were you know, they lost Billy Napier and they had to make a decision. Maybe <laughs> maybe Rob has a good a- agent and knew that and said, like maybe. we're gonna
1: Maybe, and maybe it's a reflection of the uh, new sort of organizational structure, too, that, you know, we're going to try to pay people and keep them, you know, in a, in a retention mode, too. No
0: you know? doubt. I mean, that was a problem that Ty, Ty Graham had. He, yeah. You know, they, they couldn't keep their guys and or their coaching staff in, in place, and that probably was something that, you know, as a beat writer, I look back and think, man, I probably should have played that up a little bit more mm-hmm. uh, about the problems that created. So, you know. What, you have to pay the market price these days, and I think ASU was in a position where they had to to retain Rob in that role. So um, I don't know. It'll be it, that that's interesting. But I am I am interested in Rob because, you know, I talked to him a little about this. is because you know he has some background in the air raid. You know, and then all we've heard from Herm is that they're going to run the ball, run the ball, run mm-hmm. the ball. How's that going to work out? Especially when you have such talented guys like Nikhil and and, and uh, Kyle Williams.
1: Yeah. And how's he going to be as a play caller? And how's yeah. that all going to all work out on game day? There's a lot. A lot to watch there for sure.
0: Nobody, there's nobody. You're not going to find anybody that doesn't like Rob Likens. Uh Just sitting across from him, he, he just makes you want to get up and you know do some jumping jacks or something because he is yeah. he is the most energetic coach I've ever been around. So uh, a, a guy that I could see, if you know him, you're you're going to pull for him a little bit to do well. But I do think you know I am interested to see you know what he does in in his first year in this position.
1: And, and, and really, the other assistants on that side, I feel pretty good about them too. I feel good. You know, Christensen, the former head coach. Um, John Simon, running back. John Simon at running back. And um, uh, Charlie
0: Fisher, the receiver's coach. Well,
1: Fisher they brought in, and he's close. You know, him and uh, Likens go back a long ways. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the tight end's coach is uh, Donny Yantis. Yeah, it's Donny Yantis. And of course, Yantis has been doing as the recruiting coordinator, you know, and now he's finally getting his chance. To, to be a full, full-time full assistant coach. So yep. I kind of like that. everybody on that side of the, of the ball as far as the staff goes too.
0: Yeah, I never had a chance really during the spring. I was always like following around Herm or seeing what they would do defensively. So Charlie Fisher I didn't spend a whole lot of time with. And a lot of times they're at the far end of the field. Mm-hmm. Um, John Simon I've always been impressed with how he's run things uh so yeah
1: charlie fisher also has been a head coach too yeah H- him and dave christensen both That's so true. they've got they've got that going for them too as, as far as just that level of experience
0: let's flip it to the other side uh where asu does not have as much in place uh the defensive side of the ball and if someone would have come up to me and said like you know i picked asu sixth in the south because they're i just have no idea about their defense i would have said okay i, I totally get that oh yeah yeah um as everybody knows this is top of the list is what's plagued ASU football in recent years in my opinion. Yeah. Um, and now they're bringing in, you know, a new scheme, that 3-3-5 scheme which is, means they're going to need some more guys on the back end and of course, you know, <laughs> where are those guys going to come from? Right. And, you know, Danny Gonzalez, I talked to him, the new defensive coordinator, and he admits that, yeah, that, that is a concern. Uh, they like this scheme. They're committed to it. They think that this is the way you know, football's gonna go. They think you could be there it's very versatile that you can do a lot of different things. Play just about any scheme, you know, sort anything you want to do, you can do it out of this scheme. So I don't I don't expect that to change. I just you know, I just don't know if they have the personnel to, to do it. I think I think they'll even admit right now that that's this is the big question mark for ASU football.
1: Mm-hmm. Although you could probably say if they were running a different system. Do they have the personnel for that? Either <laughs> yeah, you true. know, yeah, that's
0: true. If they were running a four-three or three-four. We'd probably yeah. be saying like, no, we wouldn't be saying like, yeah, we no like, problems. like I
1: don't know that we're completely <laughs> convinced about the linebacker level either. Right, and right. They that's lost a good point. some key players up front, you know. So um, I think there are players at each level of the defense that are high, are pretty high caliber players. But do they have enough to fill each level of the defense? I think that's what we're going to have to see.
0: Yeah, and depth is going to be an issue here as well. Um, you know, <laughs> they think that to make this work, to play it the way they want to play it, almost the first. I mean, keep in mind, last year, do you remember those first few games? They didn't substitute on defense at yeah, all, right? Right. Yeah. Danny Gonzalez says that they almost they want to get to the point where the first and second teams are almost interchangeable. Mm-hmm. I think they have miles to go for that, but. Just just a couple uh, player notes from our conversation, Jeff, that I had with Danny Gonzalez. Ronell uh, Wren, Ren, you know, he's kind of, to me, like Zach Robertson on offense. The guy that, you know, looks the part. They've just been waiting for him to mm-hmm. put it in the gear. They think maybe this will be his year. Um, but, you know, previous coaching staffs have said the same thing. I mean, this is a guy that's built like an NFL player, 6'6", 297, and incredible athletic ability. So... Uh, that's there an inner, seems to be you know.
1: kind of a different feeling about him, though, don't you think? Going into this season, maybe that's just, yeah, you know, yeah, uh, wish, I, wishful I, thinking. No, I don't know. No, but. no. I, I,
0: I mean, if he, yeah, I mean, if I think if he, if, if walked into any training camp in the NFL, they'd be they'd say put put that, some pads on that guy. I mean, yeah. he's just he's just when you first around him, you're like, wow, this guy is going to be a player, and it just it hasn't translated to the level. And maybe maybe opportunity has been part of that. I don't know. Yeah. But they're excited about him. The interesting thing, Jeff, was Darius Slade. Mm-hmm. Um, the transfer, yeah. Gonzalez thought he played his spring, he played at 240, and he said that was way too light. He mm-hmm. said he, he wanted to, and he said he, he was really a little bit down on him in the spring because of that. Um, he said he wanted to get him up at 270, he wanted him up around 270, and he said, uh, as of last week when I talked to him, Slade was at 268. Hmm. So he was really pleased with that, and I think. He, if if ASU is going to be good on defense, or at least improved on defense, I think Slade is a guy that they really need to come around, especially with all the losses. He's
1: a transfer from Ohio State, correct? And played some at Ohio State as battled made, injuries pretty yeah, much the entire injuries, time, right? Yeah, and then he was here. He was here last year on the scout team, yep, basically, and, um,
0: and impressive at times, yeah. Too. So, you know, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. I mean. But, you know, I was always – I didn't know they wanted him bigger. I and mean, he's going to play in an end position. But, you know, he he's listed in the – he was listed in the spring at 6'5", 257. So, um, you know, maybe he was – maybe obviously, maybe he wasn't – maybe when he got here the previous year, he was around uh, what, what Gonzalez was saying, 240. But, you know, Yeah, I don't remember
1: thinking that he was 240 when I watched him in the spring just – on the eyeball test, he, yeah, but
0: yeah, uh, yeah, he's a little bit like Ren. When you look at him, he looks like a player. Yeah. So, but he, he seemed real happy with him. They're incredibly happy with Jalen Bates.
1: Yeah, Jalen Bates, and of course, they're real high end J.J. Wilson too. So there's another guy that could could have a big breakthrough. So they they do have some guys up front that, you know, are are possible, impact players. I think.
0: Yeah, I've probably said before, but a recruiting analyst told me in the South uh, when when Jalen Bates. Tame day issue that he will be he's the sleeper of the class and you know he's always been behind Jojo wicker so now Mm -hmm. it'll be nice to see him get a chance George Lee might factor his way into it he's been hurt he he didn't get to play in the spring and was hurt at the end of last year but that's a guy uh, that Danny Gonzalez mentioned Uh, and then the linebackers of course JJ Wilson uh, they're counting on him you know I asked him again about Nick Ralston Mm -hmm. I said I know you're pleased with him in this in the spring but now that you've had a time to evaluate you know, do you th- would you still put him kind of in that mix, you know, uh, possibly starting, he said, without question.
1: Really? Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yep. That's interesting. Well, there's another one then. You know, we're talking about Jalen Harvey, you know, switching over. There's another one because, of course, Ralston previously was at running back. Yep. Um, yeah, that's interesting to me. I'm really interested in seeing what the new linebackers, the incoming linebackers can bring to the table. Uh, you know, I, every time um, that Edwards would talk about, you know, there's 25 guys coming in here. They're going to take some of these jobs away. The two, two positions that jumped in my mind first were running back and linebacker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's what, I, that's what I kind of want to see. Are there really talented guys that are able to make that jump, that jump to college football right away?
0: Well, and it's always difficult to do that. Um, so I think, yeah, it's going to take them some time. Of course, the linebackers that are going to get a look will be um, Merlin Robertson, who right. is already – I mean, most of, the, most of the problem with the guys when they first get here is their their bodies already. He is physically, I think, ready to step in. I'm looking to see right now. I can't find him about what, what they list him as. But I think physically he can do it. Um six three two thirty five. That's pretty good for a freshman. Yeah. Uh, the other one that Danny Gonzalez mentioned um, – man, every time I f- uh, forget his name – it's a kid from San Antonio, Stanley Lambert.
1: Oh, Lambert, right? Okay, yeah, right, six yeah.
0: four. They list him as two fifteen. I think he's a lot bigger than that. But uh, you know, and if you recall, Al Luganville mentioned him when we sat down with him
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, along a couple a month or so ago. And you know, they they think this kid, once he fills out, will be able to really help. Um, but yeah, they, those, those I asked. I said, give me a couple of newcomers who who we need to watch, and those were the two he gave me. Mm-hmm. So. We'll we'll see, uh, and, the and and
1: there are some returning guys too. We should say that it's it's just kind of a question of are they ready to elevate? It's you yeah, know it, elevate themselves like you mentioned Ralston, but there's some other guys that were at linebacker last year that are back, and you know who knows whether they're ready to to make a jump?
0: It's so hard for freshmen to leapfrog guys who have been in the program for a couple of years. Yeah, we it,
1: should mention Karan Crump while we're at this point right here, and I I know. You wanted to say a couple things about Crump too.
0: Crump is a guy I'm. I'm I, I I don't know what to make of right now. Um, you know, everyone knows that when he was healthy at ASU, uh, that first year out of junior college, he was, he led them in sacks. He was a second team All Pac-12 selection. Uh, then he was out most of last year. Uh, this year, I'm not sure if if he's. Going to be an every down every down guy, mm-hmm. or if he's just going to be a specialist, a pass rushing specialist. I think he'd do well, uh, obviously as a pass rushing guy. But you know he's had some problems in the past handling or stopping the run. So a big opportunity for Coran. I think he's really going to have to prove himself to this new staff. Um, so we'll see. We'll see. I was kind of. Think, and, you know, and also I'm not sure he's 100% yet. Mm-hmm. I asked Herm about him, and he said, they're, you know, kind of said we're, they're going to work him in, so we'll have to see how if he's limited at all.
1: Yeah, that was a pretty serious injury, so that'll yeah. be interesting. Um, you know, maybe they'll just really take it easy on him all the way up till Septem- to September.
0: Yeah, and then the last guy I want to mention that, that Danny Gonzalez did point out uh, was Kyle Soley, the redshirt mm-hmm. freshman linebacker, said he really came on at the end of spring and thinks he has a chance to help as well. And then the back end – um you have chase lucas chase lucas yeah. and after that uh i think you have a very interesting three or four weeks ahead of us <laughs> i mean <laughs> well i, I, I kind of think i kind of think yet. maybe
1: the other cornerback position they might be all right there too
0: kobe, yeah kobe williams um his intelligence is off the charts and they're, they're really happy with that his problem is you know i see they list him at five ten, 169 i'm not sure he's that but uh I, I think you're right. I think they're pretty solid there. And then, you know, they're still set on Evan Fields at the Tillman position. Mm-hmm. Um, Danny Gonzalez and St- Tyler Wiley did some impressive things there uh, last or or in the spring. And, you know, Tyler is a senior now, a local kid, has had a chance to play that spur position under Ty Graham and just couldn't really stay on the field. So that will be interesting. I'm not sure where, where Daz fits in. Mm-hmm. Daz Tadalatazi. Yeah, of
1: course, he was out in the spring too, so.
0: Yeah. So I'm not sure where he fits. <clears throat> um, but we
1: know he can hit.
0: <laughs> we do know he can hit, yeah. Uh, DeMonte King, um, you know, those are the type of guys guys who weren't around the spring. DeMonte was also injured during the spring. I'm not sure where they're going to fit. Um, you know, and then they have some guys like uh, Langston Frederick, I think will be maybe in the mix at, at one of the rover positions, mm-hmm. one of those safety positions, and along with Jalen Harvey.
1: And Harvey, right, yeah, I was just going to say, yeah.
0: Yeah, I'll, I'll be interested. If and spec- uh,
1: what's the name of the cornerback from Hawaii that was injured last year? Um, that was starting for a while. I'm drawing a blank on his name right now. Joey Bryant. Yeah, Bryant. He's yeah. he's should be back too, right? Should be back. Yeah. 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 So there's another candidate there um, at, at the corner position.
0: Yeah. So a lot of uh, moving parts, and, and I, I will be interested to see if if a receiver goes down, will they move Jalen Harvey? <laughs> back mm. over because he he can be such what maybe he'll do both who knows who
1: yeah knows? well <laughs> I I'm not a big fan of that once you move I'd I'd rather see the guy just you know stay there and work you know I, I think it's worked out great for J J Wilson I mean you know that's that's been. That's been he's, – he's in a much better position there than w- what he was doing on offense.
0: I have much respect for J.J. Wilson because he got off to such a bad start last year at tight end and he just kind of – you know, it would be easy to kind of sulk and have it ruin your season. And he, he went to defense and turned it around yeah. and really kind of, um, you know, just kind of uh, turned his career in a different direction. And and here he is. Uh, they're expecting him to play a big role this year.
1: Yeah, did Gonzalez say anything about any um, incoming – defensive backs that that he thinks could get into the he didn't mix.
0: he didn't really I just I said give me I said can you give me a couple guys to that the newcomers that might make an impact um, That we need to watch and he mentioned of course Merlin Robinson, which which obviously was we w- would have been one and then Stanley um, Lambert, so I don't know we'll have to see who emerges you know and, and a lot of times There's always somebody who no one expects. Yeah you know, oh makes yeah. makes a move so yeah, we'll watch that Um Sun Devil Stadium, Jeff. Uh, the grass is starting to be put down. Yeah,
1: you were over there and saw. Oh, and I over there yesterday. Put the yeah. Grass down, yeah, yeah. I'm actually going to have a conversation with the uh, project manager tomorrow to do a story on where they are a month out. But um, if they're putting grass down, yeah. it, number one, that's going to make the groundskeeper who is extremely fastidious and <laughs> extremely yes. W- wants that field back and don't ever do this to me again. Right. Uh Brian, uh they're going to be he's going to be the happiest man in the world to to have all this done.
0: You know when he was not the happiest man in the world? When ASU fans stormed the field last year after the Washington win? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. He's not real happy about that. That field is
1: <laughs> is his yeah. baby. Oh yeah, yeah. The way he does that the, every day in between you know Saturdays, it's like it's almost like Caddyshack, <laughs> watching <laughs> watching him out there doing that, you know.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, he has a tough job growing green grass in the desert like that. <laughs> that's, true. Um, that's true. So, yeah, and it, it looked like they still were doing some, some work on the east side, but, I mean, it, to me it looks like it's, it's on a pretty good pace to be done. Yeah. Uh, it looks like they're putting the final touches on it. So that, that's that's encouraging. Um, and then Todd Graham. Um, yeah. I, I got a tip that he was going to take a position as a consultant or an analyst for Notre Dame, so I texted him. First time I've texted him since uh, his dismissal, I think, and uh, asked him about that, and he said, no, that wasn't true. So we just started texting back and forth, and then we just agreed to go to lunch to catch up. He, he's not going to work this year. I mean, yeah. as of now, things can change in a heartbeat. But, you know, he said he had some opportunities Um and he was really close <laughs> to jumping back in. Um, and well, in fact, you know, we
1: thought at one point he was going to go do something with the Patriots.
0: At one point we thought, yeah. Um, he was and really, I think
1: there was something to that. It just, yeah. Yeah,
0: I don't, it just didn't come together for whatever reason. Um, he had uh, some opportunities for defensive coordinator positions. And he just felt like, you know, after talking with his wife, his pastor, his agent, Uh, that right now the best move for him would be to sit tight and wait for a head coaching job to open. And so...
1: I don't think that's a bad move. What do do you think? I mean, I I think, you know, a year away, um, he'll be available right away when these jobs start to open up. And there's always, what, 20 (laughs) 20 jobs that open up. Um, You know, I I think he'll be a candidate that a number of people are going to want to talk to.
0: Yeah. Well...
1: And he made that point to you. He's like, uh, you know, if you look at the record, you know, there's some credible, very credible things on that record.
0: Well, going to a bowl game 10 out of 12 years, I know there are a million bowl games. That, that, that is pretty impressive. And, you know, he has the academic things pretty much in line. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, I think someone – yeah, he'll get another job. There's no doubt about that. Um, you know, what level it will be, I don't know. But uh, he, he, was, he, was, he was good. I mean, he was his normal, energetic – self. I mean, you could tell he's been working out. Yeah, he <laughs> um, said he's in great shape. Yeah, yeah. he is. He, he 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 definitely looked different there. Uh you know, he he was your you know, he was fired up. He was he was you know, he was the same Todd that I had seen um, you know, covering him for the last six years. And he
1: became a grandfather. I know he talked to you about becoming a grandfather and um
0: He did. He did. We stay I mean, I didn't want to talk to him I didn't want to get back into all of, you know, the ASU stuff and, you know, it was more of kind of a look ahead. What are you doing? This is the first time he hasn't, you know, prepared for a season. I thought 30 years. He goes, well, if you count when I was a player too, he said it's really been 40, you know, and that's, that's hard. Yeah. That's hard. You know, and he said that, you know, coaches always say family first. He said, but that's that's not reality, you know, at at the major college level. So, you know, he did joke around saying the first couple months, um, you know, he and uh, Penny did hiking, went hiking Mm -hmm. together and spent all this time together and then she, Kind of said like, yeah, I think you need to to get back into coaching. So, <laughs> so yeah, it's
1: it, always that way, right?
0: Right, yeah. So he says, you know, he he said, you know, missing spring ball was difficult. He said he misses recruiting, having conversations with families and everything. So, um, but yeah,
1: and it'll be interesting. You know, I I'm assuming he will get back in. He's just he's in his early fifties, <clears throat> and I'll be interested to see how this experience, you know, of actually losing a job and reassessing everything, you know, that led up to that, how he'll be in his next position maybe. Because we saw him evolve here. I mean, I, I don't think we there's didn't. any doubt about that. He was a different guy than when he got here.
0: Yeah, there is no question. I mean, his coaching style, uh, I mean, he he used to, you know, be <laughs> I mean, on the sideline. You would, you know, the camera would cut to him and he would be laying into his assistants pretty severely. Um, didn't do that as much. You know, of course, he ran the defense a lot. And, you know, by the end he was more of a CEO type guy um so yeah he i think he did change a little bit um well he did change there's no question about that so you know we'll 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 see i think he'll get another chance i don't think there's i'd be surprised if he didn't yeah me too but he's going up to uh hang out with belichick he said for a few days and he's already been to uh or notre dame and uh, with Chip Long there, obviously, and and Mike Norvell to visit and him. And in it Memphis. sounds
1: like from what he said, he's already gathering ideas and thoughts. And he said he was in the film room and, yeah. <laughs> you know, reviewing things. And you know, I can, you know, you could almost hear the wheels turning in his head, even through your story. Yeah. Well, about you know, here's what here's what I might do next, you know, here's how I might do it next.
0: Yeah, yeah, he's studying third and long packages and all that. But, yeah, I think it's going to be a long, difficult season for him. I, I do think that because coaches in general aren't patient. If you gave me 100 words to describe Ty Graham, patient would not be one of them. So <laughs> I think he's really – I think it's really going to be hard for him, as it would be for anybody. Well,
1: and maybe for Penny too, really, because, you know, as a coach's <laughs> wife, she's been through all this going back to his high school, you know, when they first met when he was still coaching high school. So, you know, she's gonna, you know, not be a coach's wife per se for a year or two. Sure. So it'll be interesting to see how the whole family kind of reacts to all that.
0: Yeah. But it was good catching up with him because, you know, I told him, I said, people always ask me, what's Todd doing now? Where's he going to go? What's he doing? And you know I got tired of saying like i I don't know, yeah, so he he said he was kind of a little bit surprised that uh, people were still talking about asking about him, but um you know I, I think I think he has a lot I think he has a lot of fans here still, so
1: when he does get to spend more time with his son Michael too and who's, who's in high school now and i I think that's that may be the biggest blessing of all of this is that he's going to get that opportunity at this point in Michael's life.
0: Yeah, I think my I think he said Michael's gonna, going into his sophomore season at Notre Dame Prep in Scottsdale, and he said he's his personal trainer. He said they, they got he has a, a blocking sled in his backyard. He said they're out there at 5:30 in the morning. He said uh, he's not sure what the neighbors make of that. <laughs> but
1: uh, yeah, because they moved, they moved from where they were before to a different right. That, different that story's
0: on AZ Central. If you want to check it out, yeah, uh, look for Jeff's update on Sun Devil Stadium. I'll have a story on Manny Wilkins, and of course we'll have. Uh, the start of practice, uh, you know, all kinds of content coming off of that. Now, one change from previous years, the first two weeks are at night, so that's going to, you know, mess with our print deadlines a little bit. Uh, but we will have everything, like practice reports, as cl- soon as possible up online after practice.
1: And I believe I'm correct on this, that uh, fans are allowed to come to watch a certain portion of practice. I think maybe the same portion we're allowed to watch. Yes, yes. Um, because of this non uh, trip to tannaona well i shouldn 't say non trip the <laughs> one <laughs> the one day to Tanazona just to get the you know camaraderie part of it I guess um, and the history lesson or whatever however you want to put that, but anyway uh, so if you 're interested in coming out, you are allowed to do that at least up to the part to the start of classes yeah. i don 't know what What's going to happen after that?
0: As long as they're not in the bubble. If they're in the bubble, oh, yeah. right. uh, fans are not allowed in there for uh, fire hazard reasons. But as far as I can tell, I think they're practicing outside. I think that's the plan. Yeah, yeah uh, and that was
1: the point of going at night f- right. for these up to, what, the 16th or somewhere in that range. Until
0: school starts, yeah. And, and their thinking was, we play at night most of the time, so we should probably practice at night, which, which makes sense. So... Um, so, yeah, so be on the lookout for that. And also, they, they do have a scrimmage scheduled. I believe it's August 8th. I'm not sure I have the calendar right in front of me. It's, it's a Saturday, I think, and I think that's an open. It's it's on the schedule. That's an open scrimmage.
1: Yeah, the only thing I was told about that is obviously they can only handle so many people in there um, at, at Kajikawa. So... It's not like every person is guaranteed to get in there <laughs> yeah. to watch to watch the scrimmage. That's Saturday,
0: uh, August 11th. So
1: I guess all I can say is, if you really want to go, go or, <laughs> go right. early. Right. I think eighth is the day they go to Tanazona, right?
0: Yeah, and that's just that's about that was about the only newsy thing that came out of Herm's discussion on stage at Pac-12 Media Day that they're just going to go up there for the day, uh, climb Mount Cush, kind of hang out, um, do some team bonding stuff, and come back and uh, I was immediately told, no media allowed, so, and it's also close to the public, so we'll have to wait till next year for Tana Zona.
1: Yeah, we'll, we'll get reaction to what, how it went up there, but it's too bad that we can't go, because it, it, it would be kind of fun to see, you know, Edwards, you know, interacting with them up there, even if they do a walkthrough and you know, just let you watch that part. But I guess they're not going to let you do anything there, <laughs> let the media do anything, so. That
0: is one thing Ty Graham said about his ASU days. He said his his, his fondest memories were at Tana Zona. He he loved Tana Zona. So, but anyway, uh, we've gone on for Long enough, I think. So anyway, we're going to cut this short. We haven't really talked about how often we'll do podcasts once the season starts, but I would we did
1: s- tw- two a week last year once the season started. So I know we'll probably do at least one up till the the games begin. Yeah, we'll and probably then we do. We may do two after that.
0: Yeah, we'll do we'll do one once practice gets going. So you guys will stay updated, and hopefully, you will still uh, stay updated by clicking on our stories because uh, page views matter. <laughs> so uh, as always, thanks for listening.